one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. No, I hate when people say... Watch this space. I knew you were going to say watch this space. <laughs> I knew you were going to say watch oh, this space. Now we play. Arriving on Cultaholic Island. Uh, it's a manic Monday when we record this. Uh, he is ginger shotted up to his eyeballs to get him through our time today. Uh, it is the wonderful Michael Oku. Michael, how you doing? Hi, hi. I'm doing well, Tom. It is Monday. I'm. It's a struggle, but I'm here. <laughs> I'll always fight through it. You sent a message before we got started, just saying I'm just going to pop round to my local for a drink now. In- <laughs> Now, in my neck of the world, <laughs> I'm thinking, I mean, it's it's five o'clock somewhere, Michael, I guess. <laughs> I am a pro wrestler. You know, if I'm going to do it the right way, <laughs> but, but But what you meant was you were going around to the shop to buy orange juice and ginger shots. <laughs> yes, yes. My throat was just, I was like, this is, I think this is what I need right now this morning. I need a ginger shot to soothe the throat and some orange juice to soften it. It's not like a... <laughs> is is there right. <laughs> it, or or a pint maybe? Hey, I ain't judging. We all gotta do what we gotta do. Last couple of years have been awful. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you oh, have boy. like a, a kind of recovery routine? Because you've just come off a banger of a weekend. Do you have like a recovery routine that you do? Oh my gosh! Well, it's usually my ankles that, for some reason, are always in the most pain. I don't know why. I just think I have weak ankles. There's a side note. There's a little... there's your there's your exclusive. You know what they say about weak ankles. Yeah. I don't know what they say about weak ankles. I'll be know. honest. I don't know. I don't but, know. They make them. But I'll let Sean Ross Sapp know that you've got weak ankles if he wants a please, fight. Please, please do. I need I need as many fightful exclusives as possible. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was in South End and then went straight to Sheffield that same night. Got got into like well, I stayed at like a travel lodge. Got there at three AM, so only used it for a few hours. Then did the show. Ankles hurting. It's very freezing for some reason. Every time I've gone to Sheffield, unless it's 
the middle of July. It's freezing cold. So just a cold day to wrestle in. Cold night in Sheffield. I did it on a cold night in Sheffield. Came back. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, just it's just relaxing. I always try and make sure that I have very little going on on a Monday, at least nothing active. I'm going to be teaching uh, a training session later this evening. I now like teach regularly uh, at the London School of Wrestling, which is Red Pro School. So... I should be nice and chilled, except for when we get the energy up. I'll be, I'll be basically dictating what they should do. Usually, I like to get involved, but my ankles are feeling a bit, dare I say, ginger. So. <laughs> you feel a bit cheated when uh, you get an, when you, you they book you in somewhere nice, like a like a chat like a travel lodge, and you only get it for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, and also travel lodges are great. They just they do the they do the job, comfy comfy beds, check out at twelve, which is usually the latest checkouts that a hotel can give you. And they don't even, they don't even, they just let you do. They just let you, let, let you, let you live your time. They give you a bed, they give you tea and coffee making facilities, and they give you a late checkout. When you're when you're on the road, that's all you need. We're not sponsored by them yet, by the way. But we're yeah, just, okay. But but, but but if they're up for sponsoring us, I'm happy to talk more about how comfy the beds are. But until then, <laughs> until then, we'll talk about uh, not not being in a travel lodge, but being on a desert island, Michael. That's. Uh, <sighs> The presence, presence of it. So that's the, 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 the plan today. Uh, we're going to send you onto a desert island. We're going to give you three wrestling matches that you can watch while you're there. We'll burn them onto a DVD. We'll give you the, the electricity resources to watch said matches to keep your company while you're there. And as the interview goes today, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, you and I, but we're going to go through these three wrestling matches as well and why you picked them. So if you're picking three matches for uh, Desert Island, what would you like your first one to be, Michael? Okay, so should I go with my number one like, if I was to rank them, this is my number one, or should I just go three, two, one? It's totally up to you. Some people do it in chronological order. Some people do it in in best match order. Uh, some mm. people uh, just make it up as they go along. So it's it's completely up to you. Chronological order is always quite nice. Okay. <laughs> you know the years they I'm came gonna go. Yeah, I'm going to go chronological order backwards. So oh. I'll go with the most recent match. The Benjamin Button which, principle. I like it. Yes, exactly. The most recent matches of the three. I've got my three in my head. And that is going to be Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania. Not 20. The uh, the ultimate thrill ride one, I assume. Oh. <laughs> we know when they stopped having numbers. That so, is... So this came... Is this the one after the Survivor Series match that they had? Yes, which I think we just had the anniversary of that match. I saw it got posted a lot. Mm. So the Survivor Series match happened, which was, you know, like less than two minutes, which was incredible to me. And then, well, that that run, in my opinion, that Goldberg run was just freaking phenomenal that happened then the rumble happened where it's like Brock's gonna be in the rumble but just because he's angry and he wants to get Goldberg and then he just gets eliminated immediately by Goldberg every the crowd you just hit the crowd like what's going on <laughs> and then the mania match happened which was just you know probably six minutes of just carnage and you know so Dan Maloney is you know really popularizing the term but if you want to look up what a super fight looks like, it's that. Mm-hmm. That is what the, a super fight looks like. Spamming spears, spamming freaking German suplexes through the barricades. It's just ultimate madness. It 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 can't help but make me smile. And I don't think it can't help but any, make any wrestling fan smile. So there's an island. I have to, if I'm going to watch something on repeat, 
that's that's an easy one for me. It is explosive, like you say. It's spa- it's spamming finishers. Like if this was a video game, you'd load up the finishers and just keep hitting triangle, and and just seeing where the match takes you. It really feels like that. Where did you watch this, Michael, for the first time? Okay, um, most manias I do watch live. So I want to. Say, what year was that? Was that twenty? I want to say 2017. I want to say I'm going to, I'm going to quickly look it up. Um, I think it would have been 2017 because that would have had maybe AJ versus Shane McMahon as well. Right. Let's go. But WrestleMania 33, which was um, 2017. 2017. Mm. Okay. So where was I? Well, okay. So I'd just been a a few months into my wrestling training at that point. Um, So, I probably would have watched that at home. Most most manias, I watch at home with family. It is a family affair, tradition, just as much as anything else. Watching it, so I probably would have watched it live with my family. If my parents were fast asleep, it'd been my brother. We would have watched that and just been just going crazy at like that match because especially my brother, my brother's older than me, so he remembers a little bit more wrestling of before that I can remember. And he was a big WCW fan and therefore a big Goldberg fan. So just, it was just the best of both. Like, was we're just watching it, enjoying this. And we're like, man, this is the match it should have been at WrestleMania 20. And then like, just, it, yeah. So that, that was like a little cool thing that we did together. Did you stay up and watch it late or was it the next day that you watched it? I think, I think it was like, yeah, one of the uh, 5 a.m. shifts, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. shift that we all have to do as british wrestling fans that's that and that's it and the and i think americans never truly appreciate that so when clash at the castle happened and americans oh. belly ached about oh it's a weird time for it to start shut up this is perfect for us this give us this one give us this one one do you love wrestling or not and, and i think i think that's why like people talk about oh man the british fans they're such rabid fans and they're such hardcore fans it's because we have to do that to be able to watch the wrestling and we want to be there in current we've got to stay way stay up till 1am to start watching it and then make it three hours to 4am come rain or shine bad show or good show we watch it so with that we will become a bit of a hardcore fan way more than you guys who have convenient times to watch it yeah america and canada and mexico by proxy um when what got you into wrestling because you say it was a family affair so was was your were your were your family leading you into that world were they I think so. And again, not like, hey, you're going to watch wrestling, but it is that thing. I'm the guy that, like, you know, as far as I can remember, wrestling was always just on TV. I, in fact, man, it's so cliche or sound like, <laughs> but I honestly think that my earliest memories are of wrestling. So I'm the youngest in my family. So it was always just already on TV. And I feel like my earliest memory of wrestling is being told to go to bed because Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were going to have a Hell in the Cell match. And I guess they must have done enough good promoting of that match that they informed my parents that this was going to be a very violent match that <laughs> that kids shouldn't watch. So I remember being told to go to bed and then I wasn't allowed to watch that. But I would have been about three, four years old at the time. And I, I don't really remember anything else at that age. So <laughs> that was just kind of always a thing at the time. And then like, I remember smidgen of stuff from 98 and then um, then in my say in my real life and as a kid my real life like I've got like a job at that point and things are going moving and bustling but um then like so like the attitude era of like 
98, 99, then like 2000, I remember like everything week to week, every SmackDown and Raw and everything. So that's my, who I grew up on. What was the job at the time? The job when I was what, four years old. Oh, sorry, you said working in a job in my- No, uh, no, I'm saying, I was joking. Say, I was saying, oh, I was talking about right. my real life. <laughs> I was saying like, I was thinking I don't have any What real job did you have memory. at four years old, Michael? My shoot life, my shoot job. <laughs> Mike, I love the idea of four-year-old Michael Ogu going, sorry, kids at the at the nursery, I've got to go to my shoot job. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, I'm a grafter, guys. I'm a grafter. What would the job have been? What would the work have been had wrestling not come along for you? Like, what was the goal? Did you have anything at that point when you were, when you were watching wrestling and getting into it? Yeah, so, I mean, before I started uh, trying to wrestle, I was doing acting and I think that was kind of filling the gap of my dream that was always in the back of my head of always wanting to be a wrestler. I was like, well, this is a performance and I can perform. And I always felt like a, a fairly confident person. Well, I feel like I'm a quiet person um, in reality, but I always have this thing in me that I want to perform to people or want to be um, performing. But I think it, that was just me hiding, me saying I always wanted to be a wrestler. I always would, you know, obviously wrestle with your, with your brother and this and the other, try and wrestle in school always play every video game i'd create myself in every video game and think realistically of what moves i would actually give myself if i was a real wrestler so yeah, i think it was like i was trying to be an, i was an actor for 10 years actually as well so it wasn't even like i was trying to do it i was doing it but it wasn't going as successfully as i like would have hoped or whatever um and then like yeah i, I just the time came where like i really just said oh you know what? i'm gonna I have to try and become a wrestler. And I think I can be good at it. I had this feeling I could be good at it. It wasn't just like roll the dice and see what happens. I really was like, I think I can be good at this. And then here we are. But uh, as you said in an interview um, with Post Wrestling recently, you said like, you know, people mm -hmm. discovering you off the back of that Will Ospreay match. And you're saying like, I don't have a Wikipedia. So people are trying to, people finding me this way. You don't have a Wikipedia, but you do have an IMDb. Uh, for your acting career. Um, it lists, among other things, a one-man touring show called The 14th Tale. And oh, yes. uh, I'm I'm intrigued to, to to find out a little bit more about this, because as you say, this was something that you thought maybe this was going to be your destiny. What was The 14th Tale all about? Right. Okay, that's very interesting. And there's, there's a segue there as well, because... Oh. Um, so The 14th Tale was originally a poem. It was written by uh, a man called Inua Elms. And he would perform it himself, and it was about his life story. He was a—he's Nigerian, and so am I. Like I'm—I've got Nigerian background, and he's talking about what it was like to move from Nigeria to the UK just with his dad. And he—it was—it's just him telling stories of trying to get used to and I guess acclimatized to a different culture, different life. And he's going from like a young kid to a teenager. So there's stories about love and this, that, and the other. And um, and also just like getting caught up in crime and dangerous stuff happening as well. So um, I did an audition. He, first, it was like a short poem that he made. And then people really enjoyed the poem that he made it a full one hour play with multiple stories. He's performed it himself. I think he did it at Edinburgh Fringe a few times. And then he got a commission to, with an actual theater company, auditioned a few people and I was the person that got the role. And it was very interesting because I got to tour with it. So 
we did it, the place I performed it wasn't actually in real theatres, it was at schools. We had like, it was just me and one production assistant. We had this, she had a van, she was just this, this small little French woman who had a van and we would just, it's so crazy because it's so pro wrestling now I think about it, but it was just one van, pack the entire set in the van and me and her would travel up and down the country for about, I think it was about a few weeks, like a couple of weeks to different schools. And I'd perform this play on my own. We'd use the lighting of the school if we had it and this, that. And the, no, no, sorry. We had our own lighting as well. And it was just like a backdrop with one little stage and just me acting and telling the stories to the kids. And then we'd also, at the end of the play, um, it's so ironic because I'd at the end of the play, we would kind of like do like a workshop with them. So we'd ask them about, hey, which different backgrounds are you from? Is it difficult to um, display your heritage with other kids? And one of the the, the furthest place that we, I, I got to perform in, in my old secondary school, which is like a real wild trip because then like my old drama teacher got to see me perform, which is just a real cool moment. But then one of the places I got to go to was Newcastle. There was a score in Newcastle. We, we drove all the way, and that's when I knew that the, the Newcastle drive was very long. Mm. Did, a, this, did a thing there, um, did the play there, and then the, the kids were so fascinated. And then I took it upon myself at the end of the workshop. It was all based off the play. I would just say to them, if you've got any questions about literally anything, please ask me. This was in 2016. And uh, I remember it was in Newcastle. Some One of the kids asked me, if you weren't an actor, what would you be? And without even taking a moment to think, I said, a professional wrestler. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> next question. And then, you know, next year I started wrestling. <laughs> next year. I started so was that like too. a bit of a light bulb moment? You said it out loud and then you went, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think I do want to do that. I tell you what, I think so. I really think so. Like saying it out loud was really like a big difference from just it always being in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, maybe I want to be a wrestler one day. Maybe I shouldn't. But like when a kid asked you, and I just outwardly said it, I just came out with it and said it. I want to, I would want to be a wrestler. I wasn't an actor. I was like, let me actually try it. And 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 and, and try it. You did. Uh, you went to to Knucklelocks with Eddie Dennis. And we're a part of that system there. So compared to obviously you've watched wrestling with your family and, you, and you've, it's been part of your upbringing for a, for a long, long time. Like what were some of the things that you learned in those first few days training that shocked you about what, how, I mean, what your perception of wrestling would be? So, yeah, well, this was the big thing. I was like so pessimistic in terms of like, I say pessimistic. I was hoping and nearly expecting the worst. Because, you know, I was such a big fan of Tough Enough. Anything to do with training seminars, I had watched them on YouTube if they were free. Like, I would see, like, how they would portray. And I know, like, Tough Enough is reality TV, so maybe they push it a little bit further than it actually is. But in my head, I just had it. It's like, this is tough. This is difficult. Not everybody makes it. It's agony. It's pain. I know all the... I've heard all the stories from all the wrestlers that are, like, in their 50s. And I was like... I was like, okay... As soon as the first, I took, I think I took a back bump in my first session. And I was like, right, if I can get through this session and I'm okay with the agony that I will be in, then I'll be fine. And I was like, okay, this was too fun. Doing, we were just only learning like forward rolls and different rolls of any kind. And then, but doing the back bumps, I was like, 
okay, this is this is absolutely what I can do. But the main thing I learned, um, especially from Eddie, was um, he was so quick about um, well, he was he's he's an amazing technical wrestler, which is something that I guess you don't really think about when you think about Eddie Dennis. But there's so many wrestlers that I think that's the case for where you train it so much in training, and it helps you make make sure that you have a good foundation, a good base. Um, just in case, whatever, like, I don't know, you need to go on the fly or just in case you just need to just wrestle for a little bit during the match, in, in, believe it or not. Um, but he was, he, he was so well-versed in so many holes and so many little details that he would, like, point out that, like, in, again, when you're a wrestling fan, you just don't even realise that that's so important. But it's so subconscious. You just sometimes, basically, like, there's wrestlers that, like, you know they're good, but you can't really put your finger on why they're good what i was learning through training those few first times was like oh my gosh the technique that you have on an irish whip really does matter and then it really like sticks out when somebody does one really wrong or like a really good headlock really does like stand out so those little things were the things that i was starting to notice were, were what made wrestlers good not like what cool move they've invented if that makes sense so you suddenly became aware of like the minutiae and how crucial that was and and how good that could look if you get just that right i can 100 percent. and then when you build on that you you get uh you 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 get michael oku but or as many would have known you as you were getting into it the ojmo um yes. give us the story behind that behind the ojmo how do we go from okay, michael so... oku to ojmo yeah well so not creative at all. I mean, it's just, I say it's just initials, but there's also a tribute to Owen Hart. My So my brother's, my older brother's favorite wrestler is Bret Hart. And uh, again, in terms of like old, oldest uh, wrestling memories, another thing I associate my wrestling memories with are the wrestling video games. So I feel like I know more wrestlers from that I actually didn't watch because the first wrestling video game that we had was WWF Warzone on PlayStation, which by by the way is not good. It's, <laughs> like, with it doesn't hold. It doesn't stand the test of time. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, really like, doesn't. I'm just thinking about it. I was like, that game was so awkward to play. So many different combinations to just do a scoop slam. It, and like it was, I think it was secret. The finishing moves were secret combinations. You had to find, you had to look them up on the internet. Because they wouldn't them. show you when you click start and move list. So you'd have to yes. find, like, you'd have to get like a place, like a PlayStation guidebook that came from the magazine. Oh my and God. Left, right, up, X to do a stutter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And if you didn't know that, you're just punching and kicking your way through it until their health goes down. The one, the but... one iconic thing from Warzone that I think pretty much everybody has seen even if they haven't played the game, because you had in the story mode, the challenge mode, those videos of the wrestlers yes. smack talking you. And there's a famous Ahmed Johnson promo there where is. he is completely intelligible, but the energy's off the charts. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing, but you actually don't know what he's saying. You're not a scooby what so he's fun. saying, but it's phenomenal. But it's a uh, so, but that was so, is Warzone partly responsible for the OJMO? Technically, so basically, oh, okay. when we when we were playing, when we if we play a game, like he would choose Brett, and then this is back to me, like not even knowing every single wrestler. I was like, well, I'm Brett has a younger brother, and I'm the younger brother, so I'll be Owen Hart all the time. I think sometimes as well because you could do like tornado tag matches in that game or whatever. Um, sometimes also he'd be the Undertaker, I'd be Kane, the younger brother, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, I'd always be Owen Hart. 
And so then we'll watch Owen Hart. And when, when I was watching Owen Hart, I was like, oh, this guy's kind of, he's actually very, very cool and very, very funny and cool. And not to be stupidly morbid, but like Owen again. So like that would have been in 98. And obviously he passed in 99. He would have probably been the first person that like I had, again, I don't know him personally, I didn't know him personally, but the first person I would have heard of that actually died in my life. Like I think no grandparents had died at that point. I was like, oh my gosh, this is weird. It was just such a weird thing to experience. That would have been like five, six at the time. So when I was coming up with the OJMO, um, one of my names, like my family calls me Junior. And then I, so I'm, but an Oku Junior is like, that's why they call me Junior because Oku is like also like my great grandfather's name. So I was like, oh, Oku Junior, Michael Oku. And then at WWF Attitude, they always had the tribute and it'd say Owen James Hart. And I was like, oh, he's OJ. So I was like, this is it. OJMO. This is the name. Initials, letters. So every single game I'd create myself in, I think the first game I created myself in was in the first SmackDown game. It'd be the OJMO. I was just like, it's provocative. I never said what people, I never told people what it stood for, for like forever. But I was like, yeah, it's just a cool name. It just falls off the tongue. I love that. Does anybody within the Hart family know that that you're rocking it with a tribute to Owen Hart? Um, I guess is Brian Pellman Jr. like in the Hart family? I think he kind of is in in, in our hearts, like in in like wrestling fans' hearts. Yeah. He's technically the Hart Foundation. <laughs> if you're in it, you're technically in the Hart family. Yeah, but, he's um, Hart Foundation as far as we're concerned. Yeah, yeah. So so Brian Pillman Jr. is aware of it. I remember. Um, I think I remember posting about it, and then like he spoke to me about it. It was just like a real cool thing. Um, he just thought he just thought it was really cool. But um, it's one of those things where yeah, like um, I would love to tell like them just like just meant a lot to me because again, it's really cool to see him just kind of now like really be honored in a wrestling setting. Way more obviously with Martha doing a lot more of AEW and stuff. It's very it's been very cool for me to see. Obviously, I'm just a fan, but like it's been a cool thing for me to see that's happening way more and more and then like yeah and then i think they've got a son called oge which is just even crazier because um like a lot of wrestlers would call me odge so it's just like oh of course he's got a son called oge and it's literally because it's like oj and that's what the people would call him so yeah, it's cool. at the risk of at the risk of making a headline would it not make sense for uh, yourself named after Owen Hart to be part of the Owen Hart Foundation tournament in 2023 as part of AEW? I would love to be. I would absolutely love to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it would make sense, but I would love to be. If they're doing a tournament, if they're doing at least like one leg of the tournament in perhaps, I don't know, London, I would happily be, be, uh, be, um, it, it'd be an honor. It'd literally be an honor to be part of it. Well, wow. Let's, we've put that out into the universe now. So let's see. Let, let's see where that goes. Let's see where the journey goes. Uh, we will continue your journey in a moment, but let's get to your second match, Michael. Uh, so okay. we, we had Goldberg and Brock Lesnar battering the shite out of each other for six minutes at WrestleMania. Uh, what would you like your second one to be, sir? See, I think there's a theme here. Right. Right. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm not, we're not going to talk about it. All right. Because I'm not going to choose it. <laughs> but I'm just letting you know that I'm already considering the fact that like, I'm not putting a lot of long matches in my thing. And I feel like if I'm going to Desert Island, I probably should put just like one long one hour match. If I had a fourth, 
it would be a Kenny Okada match. Oh. But it's not going to be. We're not going to talk about it. It's done. Okay. 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 The second match I'm going to bring, again, we're going chronological backwards. Yes. Is No Way Out 2003 Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Eric Bischoff. (laughs) Nice. So this was the return of Steve Austin after the old um, take your ball and go home. The ball. And all of that. Why does this one, why does this one make the cut more than Okada Omega? Right. Again, I think it's just, I guess is where like when people say, you know, promotions, professional wrestling is about emotion. It's similar, similar to the Goldberg Lesnar match. It's how it made me feel just so, so happy. Like, um, especially seeing Austin being so, so having so much fun in the match. Um, just it just had it was just like everything about Stone Cold that you loved was in that match was in there beforehand and afterhand like just <laughs> battering Eric Bischoff the multiple stunners the crowd going what um, he was doing it in really tight jorts as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> drank loads of beer Jr was on crack because obviously he also returned because obviously Eric Bischoff booted a cinder block into his head right before so he was gone so he made his return and he just like came out like jr and commentary is probably the, the reason like i love it the most because he just came out and he had like some like obviously just a plaster around his eye to signify that he's mending from the cinder block attack <laughs> and he just comes out and they're like what are you doing here it's like i came to see a man get his ass whooped and <laughs> he, he he's ready he's ready he's off Austin, like it's it's in I think it's in like Canada as well. So the crowd is just off the charts. And like a funny thing about that as well, about the Austin taking his ball going home thing, is I think if I've got this right, yeah. So I that was in 2002 that he left. I went to Nigeria for the second time and I was been I'd been nine or something like that. And at the time there was like there, there's still kind of the case now, but there's very little electricity. Like there's not regular electricity in the places we're going. So sometimes, so the government controls the electricity. So sometimes they're just like, okay, we're going to give this town a bit of electricity for now, and then it's gone, and that's just it. And there's no schedule. You don't know when it's going to happen. You just you just have to just live and hang out. And then if there's electricity, you're like, ah, cool. Let's put something on for a little bit. Let's you know do something. Let's use the fan because it's boiling hot. Um, which was just obviously the craziest culture shock for a kid that just lived in London all his life. But with that, I think we stayed there for about two months, which feels like an eternity. But that was in the summer of 2002. I missed a lot of wrestling in 2002 because, so I think before we had left, Austin was still there. And after, when we come back, SummerSlam 2002 happened. And so much happened at SummerSlam 2002. Shawn Michaels returned. Brock Lesnar is now the WWE champion, this new guy. And Austin is gone. And I'm just like, what, what, what was happening? So I just, I, and I, again, I'm young and I don't, I don't actually know why Austin left. And it was very confusing as to why. So all I just knew was just Austin just disappeared. And then all of a sudden there's like rumblings of this Austin coming back and then just Vince says, you're going to wrestle Stone Cold. And I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. he's back. Freaking just 
just he just batters Eric Bischoff, does multiple stunners, lifts his arm up for the shoulder, and then JR's like, one more time, one more time. It's just it's glorious entertainment. So that's something that on a desert island, if I'm stranded, I would happily watch that on repeat. Wrestling is so much of that, isn't it? It's the entertainment mm-hmm. side, sometimes uh, more so than the wrestling side. And I feel like with your picks, you're very much one of those that appreciates that balance so much. You know? For sure. Again, I, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to sound like I'm a cool wrestling guy by... I mean, I'm, I wanted to throw Kenny and Okada there, and it would have been the first one. But <laughs> there's just these emotions that these matches give me that I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I can't not have lived a life without seeing these. So I want to see them again. If, if you said, okay, you can never watch this match ever again, it would have to be these ones that I'd have to like grab to make sure I see them one more time. How was that first trip to Nigeria for you? Because that must have been amazing to to, to connect with 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 family and with roots and and discover a whole new side of 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 your life as well how was that yeah firstly like just you just realize that you have a gigantic family and then everybody is your auntie and uncle and that's the thing with like in nigerian culture you like out of respect you do call people who are older than you auntie and uncle so i'm trying to discern between if these people are actually related to me or if i'm just having to be polite (laughs) but it it was it was so cool because like um yeah just like seeing like a different like again it's a completely different world and it's also boiling hot which is a great change i don't think i was missing the uk weather until a certain point like there's like a threshold i'm like okay i'm I think i'm ready to go home now but um i i realized how much i liked the video games as well because um we were like we couldn't bring our playstation but we had bought what did we bring we brought our Game Boy Advances. Oh. Yeah, we, had, we brought Game Boy Advance. We didn't have many games on there that we took. I think we got it especially for the trip as well. So it was like we had like Mario Kart, I think Road to WrestleMania or something like that. It was like a there was a WrestleMania game on there, which was again horrible. But <laughs> sometimes when you're a wrestling fan and a video game fan, you just make do with what you've got. Um, and uh, yeah, but like. It's just a crazy thing to like, again, you're away. Like I said, like when there's no electricity, you can argue that like, oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare. But then you just actually, well, people are living there and they're not like complaining or whatever. So you just get to enjoy the actual, the the actual scenery, the actual, like the trees, the sand. Um, where I was staying in one of my uncle's houses who is related to me, um, they had like a coconut tree in their back garden, which is just something I would have never like come across or seen in my life. So it was just wild that like there's a coconut tree and sometimes the coconuts would fall off and then we can literally crack a coconut and we can have fresh coconuts. And I was just like, what the? This is, this is crazy. <laughs> mind this blown. This is the coolest. Yeah, it's mind blown. It's crazy. So like, um, it's really just a fun time to just like see that connect with family and get to know different members of family and like um, just, just, just again, just again, it's you, the thing about like identity of like kind of like knowing who you are. And like, I guess when you live in London, like, I guess I feel like, okay, I'm, sometimes I'm, I say I'm Nigerian, sometimes I say I'm English, but this part of Nigerian that I say that I am, I've never actually seen it. So getting to see it and getting to know more about where my parents were born and raised and grew up and knowing who their relatives are was like always, I think, so important. It's just a cool thing for me. 
and that combination of uh, your Nigerian roots and your uh, your English life as well comes together as the OJMO. You hit the wrestling scene, and uh, you've not, in the grand scheme of things, you've not been doing it a long time. But it feels like you have. Does it feel? Does it? Does it feel that way to you, or do you still feel like this is this world is something new to me? Well, I kind of have to tell myself that I'm new. Like it's it's like there are so many people who are in wrestling now who have just been doing it for i feel like the the average age everyone's been doing it for minimum 10 years as in like minimum 10 years you name wrestlers that are younger than me and they've been doing it longer than me like they've been training for longer than me they've been doing longer than me so it's just it's a weird thing where like five years in again so when we come to january it'll be six years and that feels like man that's that's a good amount of time but when when you talk when you talk about starting from training and it being six years and then how much I've done since then. I've been so busy in the last five years of my wrestling that it feels like it's been long. And obviously, of course, I've done a lot of big things. But I'm, I always have to try and tell myself, you know, some people, they say like when they're in year 20, that's when they enter their prime. That's when they actually click. And that's where the wrestling comes in when they're like, you know, 40 years old is when... We're seeing a lot of wrestlers get like that's when they say they're in their primes or we're starting to see their well, freaking talk about Seamus right now, just like absolutely killing it. You know, he's like one of the most entertaining wrestlers to watch this year. And, you know, he's been doing it for ages. I used to watch him on the wrestling channel. <laughs> I feel like now he's better than he's ever been. Exactly. Isn't it incredible? So I, which is incredible when it's also inspiring, but that's that's also good to let me know of like, right, I'm on year five. He's probably in year 20 or 20, maybe plus in terms of how long he's been doing it. Uh, Irish rip wrestling, if you count all that. I can like, just like still remember, think that there's so much more for me to do, which is exciting. Very exciting. What was interesting to to kind of look back on now, because, you know, you don't really think about it until kind of I sat down to, to look at where you've been. And just as you're finding your feet and gaining that traction, NXT UK comes along and all of a sudden these these uh, these veterans and these uh, locker room leaders and ring generals of the indie scene are just whoop just just swallowed up into and into the WWE system and and they're not available to so many of these promotions and you're there kind of almost like the, the the people left behind by the Thanos snap at the end of Infinity War. Um, That's it. Was, what, was, what was the vibe like on the indie scene after, after that happened, after that mass exodus? It's crazy because the way it happened, right? Like, I think I might even like to hear like your kind of take on like how it looked on a perception wise. Like, because at first there was that period of time, about a year and a half where people were signed. I don't think there was an XT UK, which was the whole thing. Like, so obviously the UK tournament happened and then there was just like a period of like, right. Okay. We, there's, there's British wrestlers with WWE contracts, but there's not a show, but they are under contract. Um, but then there was this really like sweet spot where they were doing all the indie shows. And and that was like a very fun time. And that's when I started wrestling as well. Like I was just in the middle of this, like just seeing this all happen. I was like, oh my God, I'm in the middle of this wrestling boom where WWE have kind of essentially come into town and like, at least it was like, it was, it felt like at the time they just like had given their like tip of the cap in terms of like saying like, yes, this is a cool place, the UK. Um, there's good things happening here. And then 
you know, British Strong Style would be on every show, like up and down. They'd be in, on so many random shows, but like with that came so many fans watching it. But then I remember I was like backstage at a show and it was like a, it was, it was like a, not a, not a it's like a rumor, but it was like a news thing. Like it broke on some, people were sharing, I'm sure Cultaholic shared it as well, where like um, they said, uh, they talked about the restrictions. So the restrictions were coming in where now they couldn't work certain promotions. And I was like, ooh, okay. Once I saw that, I was like, well, I'm going to take this opportunity. I remember actively thinking, I am going to, there are now spots that are opened up and I'm going to take those spots. Of course, there's the big part of like, a lot of these guys, I would have, in an ideal world, I want them to stay so that like, if I'm working my way to the top, I'm doing it while they're there. So there's, again, more experienced people to wrestle with, learn from, and then that could pad me out more as an all-round wrestler. But the way it happened was just like, all right, well, you guys are gone and someone has to kind of like, you know, take the reins. And, and, you know, a guy who'd only be wrestling two years in any kind of other situation, it wouldn't be me. But I was just really the one that was putting myself out there to a lot of promotions, just being like, hey, man, I'm... I'm showing you what I've got and I'm, I feel like I'm ready to like be given opportunities. And yeah, I just, I just did really well with those opportunities, honestly. That's all I can say. Was there ever any conversations between you and WWE to maybe go and join that side of the, that side of things? Um, nothing official, nothing official, no. which is, um, yeah, that's just how it is, but nothing, but I wasn't at the same time. I wasn't like, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't chasing it. I don't want to say that I would have turned it down. I would turn it down if they offered me. But like, um, yeah, there was nothing official that came my way um, on that front. But it was always just interesting to uh, be wrestling guys. So I think, I guess, progress and maybe I'm trying to make other promotions. Well, that's the thing. It's a weird one because so a lot of NXT UK guys could watch for progress and other like, and, but then smaller promotions if there was like a certain medic that was there and they didn't have like a certain VOD service, um, but they couldn't wrestle for Refra. <laughs> and I still, I still need like the proper reason as to why that was the case. Cause then it feels like there's an agenda there. It was like, right. Yeah, well, this they, place has, because it had everything in place that progress had. I don't know whether it was a, yeah. because there was, was, was there ever some sort of connection between, because the, 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 the rumor innuendo and William Regal addressed this on his podcast was that yes. the NXT UK uh, birth was expedited by the arrival of world of sport on ICV. Uh, he kind of says, no, that's not what it happened, but I was told within 12 hours notice to put a roster together. So you can't, okay. It, it, it kind of sounds like that's what happened, um, but you can't say that's what happened. But was that, yeah. so whether there was any kind of, even the loosest of threads between RevPro and WOS that kind of made people go, oh no, stayed away. Because I know that um, there was a few lot roster overlaps. Like you had some people who'd be on RevPro who would also be on WOS, uh, if memory serves. Yeah, um, yeah. And th- there was no issue like there. Charles like Samuels, um, I think, was one at least. And maybe Rambo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know there was no issue with uh, World of Sport. They, they weren't like, um, you could still wrestle anywhere mm. if you're on World of Sport. Yeah, uh, I don't know whether because there was a relationship with Rev Pro and WOS, if if there was, uh, whether that was yeah, the reason I, why WWE went. From everything I've heard, I think I think Andy's spoken about it in publicly, but I'm sure he he said something along the lines of like Andy Quilden, like he said like uh, 
so they were, there was a lot of promotions that were offered deals from WWE and they took them. And then Andy said, uh, I don't want to sign anything to paper, pen to paper. And then the person he spoke to, I think it was Triple H, said, said, um, said uh, oh, that's cool. No worries. We can still have a good like this relationship, this, that, and the other. Not an issue. And then, well, <laughs> slowly they were like, you know, that's us, bro. bro. <laughs> so um, because it wasn't like they had like some big, I know like there was like, if there was a promotion that had like a really, really big, on demands, I was obviously what culture suffered a lot. Um, and then like, uh, if I know Flow Slam became a thing. There was all these things that we've forgotten that definitely were trigger points for WWE doing this. Flow Slam was a thing that they were afraid of. Well, the sport being on ITV. And then suddenly all these things are coming out of nowhere. Um, and then, like I said, there was that purgatory where like the UK tournament happened and there was just nothing. And then World of Sports said, okay, we're going to, we're on TV. And they're like, oh, guess what? Next mm. UK exists. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know exactly. Like, it would have been cool if like they could still do Refro because again, there was like some good times that again I would have loved to mix it up with that. Like, I just kind of wasn't able to because they were off to greener pastures. But um, hey, I, in my opinion, things all worked out for me. I'm happy how things turned out. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As you're finding your feet, the, the majority of the UK talent gets signed to NXT UK. So you suddenly find yourself a few years ahead of where you would normally be because of it, because you said, I'm going to take these opportunities and I'm going to step up and you're still relatively young into the business. And then we have the pandemic and everything stops apart from a few choice circuits, everything stops. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and then in amongst all of that, the speaking out movement happens as well. So wrestling's really all over the place at this point. During this sort of great reset, we see you and others stepping up to, to as the sort of the leaders of progress. And then a short while later, you were out of the picture again. Are you able to talk a little bit about what happened in and around that time and sort of where things are at with you now? Yeah, I mean, there's no, I can, I can talk about it in the sense of there's nothing, there's no legal procedures or anything, but I mean, it was to keep it simple. It was literally like obviously everything is happening with um in the pandemic and the speaking out. Um, 
I know that like the original owners are stepping down. They're not going to be in charge of it. And they left it in, uh, they basically left a lot of the, I don't know if you call them shares, but ownership to a guy called James Anmar. And so he was in control of a lot of things. And, and if you can remember at the time, I say at the time, progress was Twitter. What they were putting out there wasn't the best things. It was it was like a, they weren't doing, I guess, they weren't doing a good job at relaying the information that they wanted to relay. Um, and they were quickly becoming the main characters constantly and getting piled on for doing a lot of the wrong things. And um, I got a phone call from James Anmer and he asked me for help. He said, can you help me run progress? And I said, um, if you if you really need help, I, I don't know, I, I can help however I can. I'll help any way I can. Because, um, yeah, because I was just like, right, um, this can be revamped um, under like different people. But like, and also just to like, just to like get rid of like get rid of all the problems um and then they should still be getting it because i was actually looking at it from like the rest of the standpoint of like this is a, such a good platform that to just completely get rid of it i don't at the time i was like well i don't know if that's the right answer to just get rid of it completely so like let's revamp it make sure people know that this is like uh, a good place a safe place to be he asked me to um help run with him and I said, okay. I said, I said, let me ask Andy Quilden about it if he's cool with it. And you know what? In hindsight, I think Andy said, I don't know if you should, but you've got my blood. Like you can do it. Like it's, I don't. It's not my my issue, not my problem. And then, uh, yeah. Then literally, like a day passed, and uh, there was some stuff that came my way. Like, um, what do you call it? There was like screenshot leaks from a group chat, and then they were like, listen, uh, well, um. He, uh, James Ammon was like, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, listen, we're going to get rid of you because there's people that are saying that they wouldn't want you to be um, around progress. And then we'll come and talk again in about a few months time. And I was happy at that time, just like some time passing and I'll be back as a wrestler. I like, I'll wrestle for them and just, I'll just in my head, I was like, right, maybe like I shouldn't have like, taking the reins, try to take the reins or try and take uh, any kind of leadership role. I'll just be a wrestler again. And he said, he'll speak to me in like two months time. And it's been over two years. And there's been no conversation? No. Like, again, I wanted to have like no animosity against them. And I don't because I'm just over here living my wrestling career and things are going stupidly well. Maybe I might have had animosity if things weren't going well, which they easily could have. Because, you know, if you add... Let's just say RevPro did the same thing. If Andy just said, man, yeah, there's a little bit of heat around you at the moment. I should probably strip you of the Cruiserweight title and probably shouldn't use you. I probably wouldn't have a wrestling career because all the other small promotions would probably follow suit and be like, ah, oh, well, if RevPro and Progress aren't using him, then maybe we shouldn't use him. And so there's always that loyalty that I have with Andy because I feel like him sticking by me and allowing me to like uh, to grow and learn and like just kind of like just I, like again he was allowing me to like I, I, don't, I was gonna use the word repent but like he was allowing me to like stick with it and like uh you know just like yeah he stuck with it he, he believes that i was a good person deep down and it allowed my wrestling career to continue even though he got a lot of shit for it like it, the easy thing would be 
mm, there's a bit of heat with you around the time. To avoid the heat, I can just not use you. But he was like, no, let me do what's right. I believe in like reconciliation and rehabilitation. So he stuck with me. And because of that, I think my career is going great. And again, like uh, no contact for progress, but I, I'm not like, I did, a, I did do a promo at York Hall after being very silent for a long time. And I just said, I didn't name them, but I just said, the promotions that don't want to use me, it sucks to be you because things are going very well for the promotions that use me you mentioned like the the rehabilitation reconciliation that came through there um was that was that all quite a cathartic experience for you to go through that because obviously when you know screenshots get leaked a lot of people go well as there's a there's a judge there's a quick there's a quick move that a lot of people go to go well that's it like i've seen all this about this one person here's one screenshot I'm going to base everything I ever knew about them on that and none of the other stuff before, after, since. Um, so do you believe that like time has passed and there's been enough work done that now more, like more people are finding you again and you're, you're getting busier now? Yeah, hundred percent. And and I'm always so grateful for the people who immediately were like that, like, that were just like, well, you know, that were like still judging me based off like, the years prior that they knew me and what they actually know about who I am as a person. I'm always so, so grateful for that. And yeah, like, I think that's a kind of a, a cool thing that just like, um, yeah, time, some time passed. I haven't like, I'm still, I'm, I'm still like, I guess like if I talk about like how I am with people, I don't think that's changed. If that makes sense. It's not like, Oh man, well, I was this horrible person and now I'm a better person in that sense. I feel like, yeah, like it, it did feel like a time I was like, oh my God, the world. So like my phone right now is like, it's on silent. I used to have it on vibrate all the time, but it's on silent because of that day, my phone blew up, but in the negative sense, like it was all like vibrations of notifications of this, that, and the other, and hate, this, that, and the other, direct messages, even from wrestlers, like this, that, and the other, as well as fans. Some mostly people were like upset as well not just anger it was like obsessed like all like kind of like a how could you kind of thing and i was just like man i was convinced i was like I, like the amount of hate i was getting i was like i think these guys would be happy if i was dead i was like i think they would be i'm like i think they'll be satisfied if i was just dead so like to try and just to, to get over that to get through that to have the support that i had including therapy which just the whole fucking thing that people don't even know like to come out that the other side and just like have the career like i remember saying 29 was 2019 was the best year of my career for this year to be i in my opinion better than that is the biggest victory for me oh, and look at the 12 months right this is this is michael oku's 12 months speedball mike bailey uh across the ring from aw swerve strickland former impact champion rich swan and uh, minaro piggin suzuki <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Aussie Open. And we haven't even mentioned, of course, that match with Will Ospreay at High yeah. State. And it's, it's oh, what a year. Like, I mean, to, to touch on a few of these, um, Monaro Suzuki, like, what was that experience like? Because all I hear about Suzuki is how, like, affable and how up for stuff he is in, in no matter what bizarre context. How was your time with Suzuki? 
Yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? it? There's still such an aura about him where you're not sure if that's the case. He has that aura where, you know, there's like, man, an intimidating aura. But then you can Google Minoru Suzuki versus Mecha Mummy, where he's, you know, <laughs> wrestling this mechanical dinosaur thing in Japan. So it's easy to forget that it, there's actual visual evidence that he's up to anything, but still you're like, mm, oh, go on, go on. <laughs> but um, that was a whole crazy experience again, because I found that out, you know, in less than 24 hours, because there was a whole thing where Will had a really bad health scare with his kidney. That like, for Andy to think, well, the logical person to replace Will Ospreay in a sold-out York Hall main event where it's supposed to be Will Ospreay versus Minoru Suzuki. There's little old Michael Oku over there. That's still just like a a boggling thing. I, I get a lot of I get a lot of imposter syndrome. Again, based off the fact that all these things in my career that have happened so fast. There's a lot of imposter syndrome by question, like are they have I fooled them into thinking that I'm something that I that I don't think I am? So for Andy Wilden to be like, well, this is the logical person to wrestle Suki, you'll be fine. And then for it to happen, and there's so much stuff we did in that match, and it wasn't just like he just murders me for 10 minutes. We had like a we had a nearly 20-minute match, main event, and I'm beating him up actually for a lot of it. I'm working on his leg and he's I'm doing stuff to him. I'm reversing his signature stuff, which, you know, again, that's if, if there's anything that I didn't think he'd be up for. I didn't think it would be up for me reversing his signature stuff like the triangle in the ropes, uh, his like little run where he does a ghost run and then goes for a sleeper. Like he was up for me reversing all these things. And I just like, and me just like working on his leg and being an upload, which I was kind of surprised about the most. But like that feeling of doing that when the bell rang, him versus Tanahashi from uh, 2012 King of Pro Wrestling show was the reason I started watching New Japan regularly. So for 10 years later, me to be in the ring with him, I was like, what, what is what is actually going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's phenomenal. But as as we've said, as many people have said, um, start of the year, you and Will Ospreay, uh, Meltzer giving it five stars. You guys going three quarters of an hour. Just it's storyline. And it comes back to something that we talked about throughout today. Like two of your matches so far have been very storyline heavy. And this wasn't just because if it had just been you and Will having a wrestling match, it still would have been off the charts. But then you incorporate your good lady into into proceedings. And there's some incredible dramatic moments that build in and around that as well. How did you and Will go about putting this all together right well so oh man it's just i think the reason that we were on the same wavelength and i never thought i'd been i'd be on the same wavelength with osprey because i just think that i would just think his brain is not normal he's an alien and I don't maybe maybe i don't want to have the same brain as will osprey but um <laughs> but, but the thing is he and I are the same age, which is, I don't know if that's the thing that a lot of people don't know. We're the same age. And so therefore, we actually grew up on the same wrestling. And that wrestling was, you know, the Attitude Era and all the wrestling that followed that. And yes, um, you know, he probably got into a little bit more Noah than I did. And he obviously started backyarding and everything. But like, we grew up on 
big time storytelling. And as crazy as he is in the ring, and obviously the things he can do in there are just unbelievably insane. You mix those two things together and you've got pro wrestling. You mix the athleticism with the story and that is professional wrestling. And so um, we had already wrestled once in Southampton and that ended in like a ref stoppage. So I didn't, I wasn't pinned. I didn't tap out. And so we thought, okay, well, if we're going to do it. And again, the only reason that match happened, the only reason this match happened at your call was literally because Andy just needed someone for Will to face. It w- it was just like you needed someone to face. It just and, and I've just, that's how a lot of my opportunities have come in my career. Just like you will kind of do you you you'll do you you you're the right you'll be the right person, but you'll do for this little like you're like a stopgap at the moment. But I'm the one that tries to take it like all the way. Like okay, I'm going to make this even more than you expect it to be. And my whole thing was how do I make people think that I'm going to win <laughs> the British heavyweight title against the guy who at the time. It's like the you know he had he had the IWGP title um like just like soon before then what was Peter did the Tokyo Dome a few weeks before that match and so we thought well how do we escalate it and obviously Andy's a big part of it as well you know he grew up on like mid nineties wrestling he he'll talk about the fact that he loves Bret Hart but he grew up on mid nineties stuff he loves a lot of stuff from the eighties so he's like well how do we escalate the little match we had in Southampton to your call yeah we could just do that match again but if we add some dare I say stakes to it oh here's the thing with like um, you know you and Mills are doing the thing so how can we use Mills as a thing um, there's a towel again Brett Owen there was a towel and then there was the mum involved and then I was like my mum has been at shows so then my, my so Andy kept asking me can you get your mum to come to the show <laughs> Can you get your mom to come to the show? Because I mean, it'd be really cool if you know she found a way to find the way to throw the towel in the ring, and that's how the show ends. I was like, that it was. I was like, that's going to be tough for me to do that. I was like, let her just come and watch because I don't know if we can actually physically get her to throw the towel at the right time. This and the other, and at the time as well, we so we did a promo. Me and Will did a promo, like maybe a month before to set it up, and we we're like, and Andy was just in his mind, was like. It'd be really cool, man. I'm just saying, if your mum doing the towel, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I was like, listen, I don't know if she's even available. This that, and the other. So we're gonna do a promo to set it up, and then like where we would kind of like bring in a thing where like Will has said that he's brought my mum tickets. So I said to Will, I was like, just in case she can't come, just say and my girlfriend too, because I know that Amira would be there. So just just throw that in there. So we've got something there. So he throws that there. So now it's like, okay, well, now Amira has to come along. And if my so if my parents don't, then it's all right, whatever didn't come. And then we could just say, oh, man, they're terrified of what could happen to them. So they don't want to, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And then the day of the show, we're still like, okay, how am I going to get my mum to um, throw this towel in without, like, make sure the timing's right, make sure she performs right, make sure she's not smiling. <laughs> all of these things all of these things <laughs> and we just realized ah, i think the best thing is just if amira if you do this and then once we realized that like amira would be the one to do something with the towel we we're like well actually let's do it a step further and then Will's like how about we do something earlier where like i grab her like she prefer to drink me grab her. like we're just adding like all these different elements of like okay well we've got all these different pieces well, well let's maximize them using the best of ability and 
we had the grab and then we had the stuff with the towel, but then it's, there's no rush stoppages, so it doesn't even count. But there'll be lingering in my head that the towel was thrown and we thought we have oh, all these aspects. And then there's that, there's this amazing shot. And I think Will tweeted it just on its own where like the towel isn't thrown in yet. And then I'm holding Amira's hand and then he pulls me away. Like, like it's a horror film. It's literally, it looks like a horror film where like I'm holding my hand. I'm like, it's like blood. I'm bleeding. It's bleeding out my mouth, bleeding on my head. And he pulls me away and does a hidden blade. And it's just <laughs> like, People talk a lot about Ref Pro's camera work, but that one shot made up for so much bad camera work <laughs> in the history that, like, I was like, oh my gosh. And that, and that wasn't even like a plan. We weren't like properly, like, we didn't superly plan of like, okay, so we need a camera to be here. I'm going to hold you. And they said, no, it was just, that's just what happened. Just and, beautiful. Um, the, the universe working in a special way to bring that moment to life. Yeah, and then of course that we put the match together and everything. We're just like, "Oh, this is great. This is good. This is good." I tell you, it was only once I came back that I realized it was forty whatever minutes, forty two, forty seven minutes. I don't know how long it was. Only when it came out, I realized that. But like at no point when we were going over it did I think, "Oh man, this is a bit long." We just like because everything sounded good, if that makes sense. So we just did everything good. Everything escalated correctly. We just did it all, and it happened to be three like three quarters of an hour but everything was important everything was in the order it needed to be for as long as it needed to be it just so happened to need to be just under just shy of an hour to to execute properly from bell to bell exactly yeah i guess i guess so but like yeah just a a crazy experience and and again if you told me you're gonna wrestle for 45 minutes i'd be like oh my god how am i gonna do that i i would be like oh my god I, i don't i don't think i can do that but then i just just did it and I think I think that's how I prefer it. Like if if it's not planned to do it and it just happens and it happens. He just did it and then and it was and it's out there, so please find it. Uh Rev Pro's demand on demand service. Please watch it. If there's any other match if there's any match you go away and watch today, make sure it's uh, Osprey and Oku because it's it's a it's a piece of artwork. It really is. You said it's on to, New Japan World as well. Oh, it's on New Japan World as well. I, ah, it's great to know. I didn't even know that. It's on New Japan World. Yeah. So if you've got New Japan World, then then find it on there. Um actually speaking of New Japan, think of the world and speaking of the world at large, uh you, you said to post wrestling that after that match and after Dave Meltzer Gave it the coveted five stars. Uh, you've said that promotions have been have been knocking on your door, and there's been an interest from everywhere, which I'm not surprised by. Uh, afterwards, uh, can you give any indication as to sort of any promotions you could potentially tentatively be working with in 2023? Oh, Tom Campbell. Yes, Michael. Oh, oh man, I. Oh, how do I? I have ne- okay. Do you know what I hate? <laughs> I'm gonna do something that I hate. You know, I hate when people say, watch this space. I knew you were going to say, watch this space. I knew you were going to say, watch this space. <laughs> but I hate it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate it because it's like, usually people say it, but they actually don't have anything in the light, in the works. Or like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, they're just, they're just trying to do it. They're just saying it to make themselves sound like, oh, man, I've got these big things coming up, man. You just watch out. You just, I tell you, you just got to happen. But um, <laughs> I have to say, watch this space. What, what I will say is to you, and this is the, I'm not breaking anything, but you're the first to, to let me say this, is mm-hmm. I had a lot of, I guess, anxiety over next year. I was like, this year couldn't have gone any better. 
And again, a five-star match, I know some people talk about, oh man, five-star matches. Just Dave Meltzer gives out five-star matches all the time now. In the grand scheme of things, it's still very rare. And it's something I never expected I'd have. So I'm I'm understanding that like, that's something in my head. I'm like, that may never happen again. So I'm thinking I've done that, debuted for New Japan, you know, WrestleMania weekend, done all these things. In my head, I was like, I might, this might be the peak. 2022 might be the peak of my career. I have that, that's a real fear that I have. Um, and at the very least, 2023 will be a dip after 2022. What I will tell you is that 2023, if I'm trying to make it bigger than 2022, is likely to start off very strongly for me. Watch this space. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Big tease, Michael. Big That's... tease. <laughs> but yes, it's... Can't, uh, believe yeah. he... and then... Can't believe he said watch this space. <laughs> Cli- <laughs> cliche <you> central, lad. <laughs> Am I right? No, we get it. We get it. Sometimes it's, sometimes you don't want to jinx anything. Sometimes you don't want to put anything out that there until the time is right. 100%. <laughs> totally appreciate you for doing that. Uh, I tell you what, we, we can talk about North Wrestling, which is coming up a week on Friday. Uh, you're hearing this on uh, the, the, the I think maybe Wednesday, the 23rd of November. You're here. So week on Friday, North Wrestling. Uh, I want to give some love, special love to North Wrestling because that's my home away from home. That's where I'm ring announcer. That's where I'm the commentator. So I'm excited to get to, uh, to announce you to the ring for our main event against Liam Slater. For the North Championship, uh, your your thoughts on on competing against Liam Slater? Let's do that. Oh, Talking to the ring, you've yeah, got a lot yeah, to say, and I'm excited to hear like what your thoughts are on Liam Slater. Well, this is this is the cool. That, I mean, this is the interesting thing. I've I've had a lot to say in the sense of like, oh, Liam Slater. How 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 far do I go with what I actually think about Liam Slater? But the the only memory I have of Liam Slater, I know he won like the NGW Rumble one time. I was I used to watch NGW um, week to week. It was on YouTube. They threw him on YouTube. And Liam Slater was the young kid who I think was in a trance, maybe by Joseph Connors. And he was his underling. And then one fateful day, the final two was him and Screwface Ahmed in the NGW uh, Rumble in Hull City Hall. And he won it. This young whippersnapper. But now I look at who that was and that was probably you know probably five years ago maybe longer and the guy that we're seeing now and this is a man who's so much i don't know it's like he's got a chip on his shoulder it's like he's got a chip on his shoulder like again i've I've mocked his uh post match promos where he's shouting very loud and of course you want to big up your promotion you want to big up north wrestling especially if you're the champion want to believe that like you're the top of the scene but he hasn't wrestled me and there was just a legit thing in my head of like, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt your own credibility if you say that you're the best wrestler in the country, but you haven't actually wrestled the best wrestler in the country. That's and that's who some people would say is me. So this is finally the time. This is like his biggest test. I know he's wrestled former WWE superstars, Impact Wrestling stars, but if you talk about who's currently doing the most on this scene, it's myself. Um, just look at the statistics. Look at we've spoken so much about it in this interview right here. I know he's a. I know that he's super talented, and I know the things he's done, and like he's got a pedigree of like real 
banger matches and I've watched a lot of them in North. I've I've gone back and I've watched them. And at the same time, he's also, I think he's even got a training school, so he's teaching the future. I think that's the guy who can say that he trained Leon Slater, which is, which may be the biggest accolade he may get, <laughs> knowing the career Leon Slater is going to have. We, we just, we're all marveling at him, slowly but surely. But um, I'm, I'm so excited to be back at North Wrestling. I really am. I really am. But also, as a man who, I, I don't know if this is going to be video, but I'll show it to you, Tom it, It'll be video. It'll be video. But as a man who is very supporting, is a big supporter and a big fan of Newcastle United. Magpies fan, Michael Oku. I feel like, I feel like this may be one of my most important championships to win. The North Wrestling Championships. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to walk in there. I don't care if they boo me or cheer me because they're all supporting Liam Slater. I'm going to have to take the title. See, that's a little development there. Um, if, if you were listening on the podcast, Michael Oku showed us a Newcastle United top with Oku on the back, uh, revealing his his love for Footy at St. James's Parks, which, make, which makes a week on Friday all the more special as we're in the, the shadow of St. James's Park for uh, the during the world cup as well uh, a very controversial yeah. world cup but uh, <laughs> yeah say the very least uh michael <laughs> michael oku steps into a newcastle rig uh friday the 2nd of december for north wrestling actually it's starting us come see us at anarchy brew uh, if you can't get there because we're sold out it'll be on uh, it'll be on the uh, on the patreon on demand and all that good stuff but uh, michael before we let you go uh, we have to do your third and final match. So we've had, uh, so far, mm. what an eclectic mix. It's not the mix I was expecting from Michael Oku today, mm. from the OJMO. Uh, we have Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg from WrestleMania. Eric Bischoff versus Steve Austin from No Way Out 03. Are you going to surprise us with your third and final, Michael? Um, I may, oh, I don't know if I will surprise you, but it's my favorite match of all time. It's the one that... Um, I go back to because it, it again when I talk about feeling, nothing has made me feel the way that match made me feel the first time I watched it. So I'm gonna go with WrestleMania X eight, Rock versus Hogan. Nice. This is a, a popular turn up on this show, but for obvious reason, it's two sides, two generations coming together, uh, and and having just a, a, an awe inspiring entertainment outing. Like less so on the wrestling side of it, but my God, what a masterstroke of having the crowd in the palm of your hands. Am I right? That's it. And that's, and that's, I think that's the lesson that I try and take with me anywhere I wrestle or, or as a wrestler. Um, it's so much about wrestling is so much about the crowd. And I guess that you could say that with all three matches and I, even as I train people and that's the thing I'm trying to learn, I'm only new to being a regular wrestling trainer. It's very difficult to like teach how important the crowds are in a training setting where there are no crowds, because that's arguably the most important part of wrestling and how you gauge what moves you do, when you do them, how fast you do them, how much time you take. But those guys right there, it should be studied by wrestlers. It's not like oh well, you know, just you know, I mean, it's it's a match, you know. Listen to the crowd, ignore the wrestling. Study how they do things timing-wise. Study their facials. Study everything about them because they are two of the most successful wrestlers of all time. And if that's what you're looking to be, <laughs> um, that match, the way it made people feel, the way it made me feel as a kid is just the one to go to. Especially, like, again, we talk about my age at the time. 
I would have been about eight years old watching that. So at eight years old, Hulk Hogan is nearly a myth to me. I didn't really like go through like the, you know, I wasn't alive in the eighties where he was just his prime. And then like, you know, Hulkamania was done by the time essentially I was born. And then obviously you really can't really count Hulkamania and WCW, but then doing the NWA stuff, it's kind of hard to watch. As you would know, it was hard to watch WCW in the UK. So couldn't really follow WCW properly. You could just find little pockets here and there. So you only really are watching WWF, but, I was well aware that Hogan was this mythical entity. And then that was probably the first, I might have watched, you know, Hogan wrestle someone in WCW in like 2000 when he came out to American, you know, American made, whatever the song was. <laughs> like, um, um, but like, that was one of the first times I was watching Hogan wrestle. And I knew as soon as they announced it, this is big. But I had never experienced like a crowd just it like they I could see them. They all looked like little children, giddy. There was grown people in that Toronto crowd that looked like giddy children seeing Hogan in the flesh. And then The Rock is my favorite wrestler of all time. So like I wanna say I'm Team Rock, but I'm like just watching, I'm like, what is going on? Again, eight years old, three AM in the morning. What what is what is going on? Why is this electric? Um when he kicked out of the rock bottom and hulked up, the goosebumps I got on my body, first time probably seeing a Hulk up, but the, you hear the crowd and see it, I was like, what is, what is this? What, what's happening? It, it, that, that, that is just, that moment is the moment for me, the Hulk up. It, it's just like, I've never heard the crowd go loud, louder than that. So yeah, it's, it's no brainer for me. It's Rock and Hogan. And it's a solid third and final choice. Uh, Michael, it's been lovely to have you on the island today. Uh, where can people go to keep up with everything that you're doing? Let's get some plugs in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at VOJMO on all social media platforms. That's the easiest way to find me. VOJMO.com uh, for merchandise needs. ShopRevPro.com has also some exclusive merch from mine. And then obviously they revolutionprowrestling.com I'd also plug it I feel like I'm a company guy but like but I would <laughs> like say like you say they've there. been they've been good to you when uh, when things were rough and the going was tough like they they had your back so I think you probably you, you're probably right to be a company guy for RevPro but that's it I, I have felt like I'm like a face of the company but but I will, I'll plug that website because um as well as you being able to like buy tickets for the most shows I'll be on will be RevPro shows so if you want to buy tickets obviously to Uprising, which is in December the 17th, where I wrestle Corner Mills. That's the place to go. But also, if you're wanting to start your wrestling journey, um, that's where you go to book training sessions where you can be trained by me, usually on Mondays, sometimes on other days, depending on when, whenever. So um, that's a place, good place to go if you want to see more of me. And yeah. It's been great to have a metaphorical drink from your local with you today, Michael. <laughs> However you interpret it, wherever you are in the world, it's been just that. <laughs> Michael, thank you for joining us on Coltaholic Island. And uh, for those coming along to Anarchy Brewery, we'll see you a week on Friday, sir. See you then. You're going to wear your shirt for your entrance. You're going to wear the to. kit. I think I have to. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.